This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Welcome, everyone. You can go to the first slide, Sam, if you want. But yeah, today we're doing word training, as Ethan said. My name is Caden. If you haven't met me, I'm sorry if I haven't introduced myself. Yeah, our prompt for word training was, what is a passage of scripture that has impacted my life? And my immediate thought was Mark 10, verses 17 through 25, which is the story of the rich man in the kingdom of heaven. And I chose this because I vividly remember the first time I read this passage and my reaction to it and my response to it. And I want to invite you guys into that and how I think it can be applicable to your lives as well. Has anyone seen the show, The Good Place? Can I get a show of hands? <laughs> That's actually more than I thought, and if you haven't seen the show, I do highly recommend it. The Good Place is about, it's a show about the afterlife, where has the good place and the bad place, kind of where good people go, where bad people go, and kind of explores those topics in a non-Christian setting but it's still really interesting of like how we actually think of eternity and how it can apply to our faith. So I remember watching The Good Place two years ago when I had COVID. I was just binging through the final season and it really put me in my thoughts, I'm not gonna lie. There were just a lot of stuff around like eternity and whether The Good Place is actually good and really made me question what my thoughts around eternity will. So I'm gonna show a short scene and to set up the scene, the two main characters are Eleanor and Chidi. They're in the good place. They're going up to someone who's been in the good place for eternity, and they're gonna have a short conversation with them. This chick is incredible. Right? Mm. This is how I spend most of my time, sitting in beautiful places, drinking my milkshake, slowly peeing into my pants, which instantly evaporates and leaves no trace. Sounds fun. Mm. But didn't you want to tell us how we're all screwed? This is the exact problem. On paper, this is paradise. All your desires and needs are met, but it's infinite. And when perfection goes on forever, you become this glassy-eyed mush person. But no, because no, because Patty, no. Yes, I'm telling you, I used to be cool, man. I studied so much things, art, and music and the um the one with the number piles where i'd be like two and you'd be like six math yes and then i came here where time stretched out forever and every second of my existence was amazing but my brain became this big dumb blob so we finally make it into the good place and now we're just going to become zombies why haven't you told anyone about this about what dude We have to find the others, right now. Look, there's math on my shirt. Come on! Is it an S or a math? Have you seen Eleanor and Chidi? So yeah, it's kind of a funny little scene, but as we saw there, Eleanor and Chidi were surprised to find out that someone who's lived in the good place for eternity is actually not happy anymore because they've experienced every good thing over and over and over, and none of it actually means anything to them anymore. And like she said, her brain has just become a mush ball or whatever. 
So I had that same question myself. Will our eternity actually get old? Will we reach a point where, yeah, endless goodness is not actually good anymore? So after watching the end of the final season, I remember opening up my Bible to Mark 10, and that's where I want to join in today, and we'll connect that scene later on. So also a warning. Some of you are probably going to be offended by this. This is the NIV. <laughs> it is the best translation of the Bible. So we're going to read from there. <laughs> All right, Mark 10, verses 17 through 25. <laughs> as, Jesus, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So I want to start by focusing on the most difficult part of this passage, because I think it stands out the clearest, that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when I first read this, I immediately wanted to make it one of those passages where I kind of look at, acknowledge, and then just move on from, because this seems like a contradiction in the Bible. Clearly, through Jesus and faith, this man could enter into the kingdom of heaven. And because this contradicts this, we're just going to ignore it, move on. But I know in that moment I was convicted of why I, would not, why I would want to simply pass by it, and I sought to dive in more, and I think we should do that today as well. So to start, let's start with the camel and the needle, just to describe that situation. So you have a camel, big furry animal, I think, gets you through the desert, something large, and then you have a needle, which is like your little sewing needle, and Jesus is saying, this large camel has to go through the head of that needle. And another word for this is impossible. He could have just said that, but I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here, is that it cannot be done. And Jesus is telling this rich man that in his current state, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So the question we then have to ask is, what is the sin that is preventing the man from entering the kingdom of heaven? And the obvious sin here is that his money was preventing him. But it's important to note that the sin here is not that he had too much money. It is not the great wealth that he possessed that is preventing the man from getting into the kingdom of heaven. But rather the sin that Jesus is calling out is his idolatry. And we can see this from Jesus' two commands to the rich man. The first command said, go and sell everything. And this calls out the man's idolization of money. And this is different from having too much money, but rather diving at the man's heart towards his money. Rather, he saw his wealth as greater than the value of actually chasing after Jesus. 
And we see that in his response to Jesus when he said, go sell everything. He turned his face down and sadly walked away. To him, it was not worth giving up the wealth he had amassed for what Jesus had offered for eternal life, which is kind of wild because he approached Jesus with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which, like, I don't know what else you would want besides that. And Jesus gives him a straightforward, clear answer, and he's like, nah, I'm good. So that to me was pretty surprising. The second command was to follow me or follow Jesus. And here Jesus is calling out his idolatry for the law. And we see this in verse 17 where the rich man asks Jesus, what must he do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by questioning why he would call him good, which I found really confusing when I first read it because why would Jesus question his own goodness? Obviously, Jesus is God. He's good. And I think Jesus would know that too. But then Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. And I think what we see here is he's actually calling out the man's heart towards Jesus. He calls him good teacher, and Jesus says, no one is good except God, telling the man that you don't see me as God, so why do you call me good? You only see me as teacher. And I think a lot of us can fall into that trap as well, because there are many useful things in the Bible, many tips and tricks for life of how to better ourselves, how to treat other people better. And unless we see the beauty of Jesus as God and Savior, None of it matters. Nothing else in the Bible matters at all. All that is secondary to us putting our faith in him and seeing him as our savior. And the rich man did not. So this leads me to my first question for you all. What are the things in your life that you are not willing to give up to follow God? I'll say it one more time. What are the things in your life that you are not willing to give up to follow God? I think as a college student, it may often feel as you don't really relate to the rich man. For most of us, we probably don't have much money. In fact, we may have negative money. And other things could also be at a premium, like time and comfort if you have a really busy schedule. So I think it'd be easy to be like, how can I idolize something I don't even have? Um, so this is where I want to move to Mark 12, so two chapters forward, verses 41 through 44. And I think this really speaks into a woman who didn't have much and how she utilized her money in that circumstance and how we can apply that to our life if we feel like we're in that boat of not having in abundance and we don't actually feel like the rich man. All right, Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And I think it's pretty clear here that it is more honorable to put in the little we do have than it is to put in more if you are rich in money, time, or comfort. It's not about the amount that goes in. It's about the heart posture with what you do have. And even the little we do have can be an idol in our life, and it's important to recognize that and not let it just slip to the side just because you don't have much of something. So again, I want to go back to that previous question I had up that says, what are the things in your life that you are not willing to give up to follow God? If you only have five minutes of free time during your day, 
what are you going to do with those five minutes to honor Jesus? If you only have $10 in your bank account, how are you going to spend those $10 to honor Jesus? Every single thing we do, how are you going to use that to honor Jesus? So when I first read the story of the rich man a couple of years ago, there were a few things that I felt like I would not be willing to give up for the sake of Jesus. And these included mostly my comfort, my friends, and my future. And I could get more into those, but for the sake of time, we're not going to do that now. But the reason I wanted to skip through that verse and just move on is because I knew that I didn't want to let go of everything for his sake. I wanted, and in response to that, I wanted to take an immediate step in my life to help rectify that idolization. So to practice letting go of something, I decided in that moment to leave my PlayStation at home for the last couple months of that semester. And this was just a small step for me to use my time more diligently. And for those little moments where I would just hop on, play some games with friends or whatever, I wanted to use that to spend actual face-to-face -face time in gospel community, like Matt Reagan talked about with other people, or to spend more time in personal spiritual disciplines. And while I was worried that I was throwing away something that I found joy in, this ended up being a super rewarding experience for me, where I saw that in the process of giving up something I found enjoyable, I ended up finding more joy in Christ than I could have ever imagined. And the more and more I have given up this life to know Christ better, I'm reminded again and again that he is worth it. And he is worth chasing after, more than anything else of this world. So if there's one thing I want you to take away from this talk, it's this. Hold on to the things of this earth loosely and hold on tight to Christ. Hold on to the things of this earth loosely and hold on tight to Christ. As Ethan said in his talk, heaven is not just something we get to receive after death, but rather something we get to start experiencing right now. So let's not live in the mindset of, I've been saved, now I wait. Let's live in in the mindset of, I've been saved, let's go, let's experience Jesus right now. And this is because heaven is not about receiving all of our favorite things and constantly doing the most fun activities, like we saw in that good place scene. But rather, heaven is Jesus himself. Jesus is our inheritance. It's not your favorite sport, it's not your favorite food, not your favorite show. It's that we get to be in the presence of Jesus for eternity. And that is enough. And if it was just doing your favorite things over and over, we would be like, I'm going to call her Phoebe, I guess, but I know it's not Phoebe in there. Um, and we, our brains would be like mush because those are just things of this earth and they will fail to satisfy us. And I think we've seen that really clearly in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.4 says, this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And I love that word unfading. That shows that Jesus' love will never fade away. His satisfaction will always be enough for eternity. And the good place will be actually good. You will see over and over that everything, this, everything of this world will never be fully enough. But we keep running back to the same stuff. So Boston and I have D-group every week. And we, we end our D-group by noting how we've been stupid during that week. And we're like, dang. We just are really stupid over and over. Like we know what is good. We've seen what is good. We've done it before. It's resulted in good. We know what is bad. We've seen what is bad. We've done it before. It's resulted in bad. And every single week we choose bad. It's really dumb. And we're always just kind of annoyed with ourselves on that. And in the midst of that, that's the reality of our life sometimes. But at the same time, 
Jesus's call is clear and his warning is stern. That if you are not putting Jesus first on your priority list, you are living all wrong. And Jesus is not just our side hobby to help us achieve the things of the world that we really want. But rather, Jesus himself is our treasure. He is what we long for. He doesn't get us other things, he gets us himself. And when we fail to do this perfectly, and when we are like the rich man, it is impossible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. It really is. But Jesus' command is to simply recognize him as God and acknowledge that the work has been done in our place. Jesus can make a camel go through the eye of a needle. Even though we can't actually do it in our world, Jesus has the power to do that. And even though we can't get into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus has the power to bring us into the kingdom of heaven. We just have to recognize him as God and him as our treasure and not the things of this world. In the midst of your failures, he is there for you and he will bring you to himself. And we can rest in that insurance of his work. And in light of that, we cling to him tightly, never letting him go and always seeing him as our treasure. So with that, we're gonna move into our workshop. And our workshop goes, we're gonna do the inductive method again, which I know we feel like we've done a lot of, but I think this is really good for you guys to actually do this intentionally while you're here. Um, this is a new passage, not from 1 Peter, and it's from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 36. And if you guys could partner up or get in a group of three if necessary and go through the observations, do everything there, but also think about how does this connect to the stuff I was talking about earlier? How does this connect to the story of the rich man as well? Ask that question and have that discussion too. So we have like 35 minutes. So I think we will give you 25 minutes. I'll come back up and I'll hear from you guys. So you guys can go ahead. All right, we're gonna bring it back in. Sorry if I cut any of you off. I apologize. Hopefully that was enough time. Um, I do wanna hear from some of you guys when going through the observations. What questions did you guys have on the text? Great question. What does it mean, Trinity? <laughs> no one's going to ask any more questions now. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't read the verse this morning, but talking with Sam and Ethan, they connected it to that as well, of how fitting those two were together. What other questions do we have? you don't want to answer your question, you don't have to. Sam said it was like carrying your own coffin, which is kind of a good way of putting it. And it's like this super heavy wooden piece. And then Ethan was like, but Jesus hasn't even been on the cross yet. So this like in that time is like not as big of a deal as it is to us now. And we're actually called to follow Jesus up the hill and participate in his sufferings and join him in that, just as he set out the example before us. What else? One or two more questions. Yeah, and Ethan was like, what is the gospel and how does it, why does it say the gospel and his life? Why are they separated? Anyone got thoughts here? <laughs>
But what we talked about was, in some sense, they are the exact same thing. And kind of like the Trinity, like God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, are three in one, but they are separate units in themselves. And in the same sense, Jesus in the gospel, the word became flesh. They are the exact same thing, but they are separated here. I kind of thought maybe that you lose your life for the sake of Christ's glory, for his life, but you also lose your life for the sake that the gospel would spread to other people. That's kind of how I took it as being separate, but I think them being linked is also important and an acknowledgement of Jesus is the gospel. Kind of like what I was talking about, how Jesus is the inheritance. Like, they are the same thing together. Anyone know how this relates to the previous passage of the rich man? Probably not that difficult, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the command, follow me. It's written in both of these passages. Like that is Jesus' utmost command, which is very opposite of the world. And for a lot of people in the world, they follow whatever they feel is right. And they let their thoughts and guidelines just go by. This feels good in the moment. This doesn't feel good in the moment. And in a lot of ways, we do that too. Um, and in this passage, we can see that, yeah, saving your life was like the rich man. He built up wealth. He followed the law so he could hang with the cool people, have everything he wanted, not be persecuted. Versus the poor widow in Mark 12 was the one who lost her life, but trusted God with the little she had and gave it all up. And Jesus honored her, and Jesus didn't honor the rich man. Well, he loved them both. One of them's getting into the kingdom, one of them's not. So I think that connected really well to both of those. But yeah, I think that's what I got for you all. Except we have some discussion questions now. Cool. Two questions. The one I already asked. What things are you not willing to give up to gain more of Christ? And then question two. Is there an immediate action step that you could take to focus your heart more on Jesus? So something you could actually do right now, whether it's small, big, to help you start to treasure Christ more. So I'm going to give you guys five minutes. I'd encourage you guys to write down your answers or journal it or talk with someone next to you. I find that really helpful. I'm going to come back up, pray, and then Michelle has an announcement or a little talk. Does anyone have a step that they felt like they wanted to take that they would be willing to share? Anything that stood out? I said I want to spend an intentional time every single day praying. I feel like I have not done a good job of that down here at all. And if I go through a day without prayer, then I need to do it before bed. Like Every single day, intentional time with God, in prayer with nothing else. I don't think my fear in that is like, oh, I have to give up time doing other things or anything along that nature, which is kind of stupid, but whatever. But yeah, that's my immediate step. Hopefully there's something for you guys. But I'm going to pray to close us, and then Michelle will come up. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity today to, yeah, stand in front of everyone under your holy name. And, yeah, I pray that my words were helpful today and that your gospel message rings clearly through everyone. And, yeah, that the command, follow me, is what we really hear right now. To let everything go of this world, Lord, for your sake. And let us not leave anything behind.
but rather leave it all on the field for you as we move into this next year and the rest of project here. Um, yeah, I just pray that we don't see anything worth gaining in this world, but rather we want to gain you above all. And that that warding is really stern in our lives, and we actually feel the weight of that. But we feel how precious you are and the gifts that you've offered us through your gospel. And we see that in eternity with you is greater than anything else we could have. Pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.